Hi, this is Mr. Bill from Classic Christian Rock Radio, and you're listening to Time Machine. It's it's too it's, short. It's too short. I have lots of time. 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 time waits for no man. Waste of time. Waste of time. Wait a minute. Wait It'll a just minute. take a little time. Time is ticking away. On this edition of Time Machine, I'm featuring an interview with Dana Engel from The Way. The Way was one of the significant music groups of the early 1970s and an integral part of what was happening at Calvary Chapel in Costa Mesa, which was Chuck Smith's church, Ground Zero, for the Jesus movement of the early 1970s. This interview is one that I did with Dana back in June of 2011, so I hope you'll enjoy my interview with Dana Engel. Uh, this is Mr. Bill from Classic Christian Rock Radio. Is this Dana? Yes, it is. Dana Angle. How are you doing, Dana? Good. How are you doing? I'm doing fine. It's uh, really great that you could set aside a little bit of a time to uh, to talk with me. I know we've had a little bit of... You have a busy schedule, don't you? My pleasure. Well, I'm... <laughs> yeah. I'm doing a lot of things. Well, hey, um, again, it's really, really great to be able to talk with you. Um, you were a part of a group called The Way back in the uh, early 70s. Um, I think you would probably qualify as, your band would qualify as one of the bands involved in the first wave of the Jesus music movement of the early 70s. Would you, uh, you, um, would, you yeah. agree with that? <laughs> yeah, I would agree. Um, at the, the time that, uh, the period of time in which we came together, um, was right um, after Love Song and Children of the Day um, were playing at Calvary Chapel. And we, um, me and Bruce and, and Rick Latendris, um, were in Pomona, and Rick had come to Calvary Chapel with his sister and had invited us down to hear the band Love Song. And um, we came down and were just blown away by the the Holy Spirit and the whole scene that was going on down there. Um, and we were inspired to form a band right about 1971. So we started, um, we talked to Chuck Smith the next week and told him that we had a, a, a band and about seven songs to play and got his permission to come play. And uh, it just, it never stopped from there. So were you guys uh, together as a band already before you went down to Calvary Chapel that one time? I had known um, Bruce Herring since uh, seventh grade, and we had been in and out of bands ever since seventh grade. We were actually um, in a, um, a rock band together when we were 13 years old, um, and we were in and out of bands together all through um, what was then junior high school. It's now intermediate. Um, and we were together in, in and out of bands all through high school, and then we were also attending the, the same college. So I had been with Bruce for maybe six or seven years before The Way was formed. Okay. How, um, how about the other guys that were part of the band? Um, Gary Arthur was uh, the bass player in the band, and he attended the same high school I did, and we got to know each other fairly well because um, we were both athletes, and... Um, he found out that I was a guitar player and invited me over to his house, and um, he played piano at the time. And um, 
basically I started teaching him guitar, and then he sort of, um, I won't say followed me, but coincidentally went to the same college I did. Okay. Um, and we would sit out on the grass in between classes and um, play songs for hours and hours, and um, he became a real good guitar player. He already had a, a real good ear for music from his piano playing. Um, so I knew Gary um, for probably maybe two years. Um, he had lived in Michigan before that um, and then moved out here and went to the high school I was going to. And Bruce was at the same high school that Gary and I were at. So I'm not sure how many times their paths crossed, but um, um, I was very good friends with both of them. What high school did you guys go to, just out of curiosity? Um, it was in Pomona, okay. um, and it was called Ganesha High School. And then we both, we, all three of us attended uh, Mount San Antonio College. Okay, okay. Uh, so you guys were down, well, Pomona, that's kind of the, uh, what, Inland Empire area of Southern California. Yeah, yeah. it sure is. Yeah, I'm, I'm, yep. up in, I'm up in Lancaster, the high <laughs> desert area. Yeah. So uh, I, I'm a little bit familiar with the Los Angeles area somewhat. Um, so, so to start with, it was yourself, and you had Gary and Bruce, and was yeah, the, there was the 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 first person to introduce us to Calvary Chapel um, was a gentleman named Rick Latendris, and Rick and Bruce had become friends, um, and Rick had invited Bruce down to Calvary Chapel, um, and I had. Um, was seeing Bruce on a daily basis out at the um, the college campus and had him over to the house one afternoon. Um, and he noticed that I had a, a Bible open right next to my bed. Um, and he was curious as to what I was reading and why I was reading it. Um, and in just about the same sentence, asked me if I wanted to go to this church to see a band play. And I said, yeah, I, I would. I was very curious and you know I had had um, you know a Protestant type of spirituality growing up but never a real true relationship with the Lord um, and I was reading I had read the Bible all the way through um, when I was a Boy Scout um, to get a, a, a merit badge um, and I was just reading things in the New Testament that um, that were you know very touching to me at the time and I was just really open to the Holy Spirit moving on my heart. And so when when Bruce and Rick invited me down to Calvary Chapel, um, I asked them if I could bring a friend along, um, which was Gary. And so all four of us drove from Pomona down to Costa Mesa um, to see Chuck Smith and Love Song um, in the very, very first little church, the, the little country church that... that Chuck Gerard refers to, um, and it was, the Lord just moved on all of us, touched all of our hearts that night, um, and Rick was a beginning guitar player, um, although Bruce played guitar and drums and sang lead vocal in, in many bands, um, we just kind of got together with our guitars um, the next day, and we just started singing songs. Wow. Um, and God just started giving us songs almost from the very beginning, um, and it was it was pretty amazing. Say after a while, um, Rick was really not uh, that much of a musician. Um, he enjoyed getting up on stage and playing guitar, but um, it was really kind of a uh, a frightful experience when when you're 
um, in amateur, you know, struggling with chord structure and things. And after after maybe about a year, he decided that um, he was just not the musician that the rest of the people in the band were. Um, and he decided to bow out of the band. And at that time is when we, um, well, I won't say we found John Wickham. The Lord put John Wickham in our path. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and and um, it, it just kind of all gelled together for the, the first album. So Rick was not a part of that first album that you guys put out in 1973? Rick, Rick was a part of the very first song we ever recorded, which was on the Maranatha One album, the Everlasting Living Jesus Music concert. Yeah, that would be um, If You Will Believe? If You Will Believe, yes. Okay. Rick was still in the band then, um, and he participated in the recording process um, and was an integral part of the band. He was uh, a year or two older than us, so he was the older spokesman, so to speak, and probably the more mature of, of the group. Um, but when, when it came time to do our first album, which was in 1973, actually it was 1974, um, Rick was no longer a member of the band, and John Wickham um, had joined the band um, as a bass player, um, even though he was one of the more phenomenal guitar players that existed at that time. Um, he played mostly bass on the first album. Okay. Um, so it was was it nineteen it was nineteen seventy one was when you guys first went down to Calvary Chapel. Yes. Okay. And you said you and said I, you said that you met Chuck Smith that first night and talked to him. Yeah, the very first night um, we talked to Chuck Smith um, um, afterwards, just for a few seconds, just to uh, I just wanted to meet him. Um, he was amazing dynamic spirit-filled speaker that um just would get down to the the very facts of christianity in the world and you know why people didn't believe in in what knowing jesus could do for us on a a, a personal you know level and a personal relationship so it was um it was an experience that was unique and different from anything that i had ever been through and you could just really tell that the Holy Spirit was moving really heavily upon that place. Wow. They uh, had they would fill the, the pews, and then they would fill the aisles, to the, I'm sure to the fire marshal's dismay, um, <laughs> and then then people would fill the, the um, seats on the outside in the patio, um, and then they'd stand around in the back around the church, um, another 50 to 100 people just standing there, um, just so that they could hear what was going on. Wow, it was uh, it was amazing. Absolutely amazing. I mean, so you, you guys were there right, right at the time when uh, things were just really booming there, um, down at Calvary Chapel in the early seventies. It was uh, yes, yes. Um, I mean, I know they had the ministry for quite some time. Um, I can remember going down to Calvary Chapel later in the 70s, but uh, mm -hmm. uh, 71, I was still in high school and, and not even saved yet at that point. So, yeah, um, it sounds like um, like that night, that first night, you had an experience with Christ that you that you just hadn't had previously in your life spiritually. Um, that is true. That is absolutely true, um, and. It wasn't until um, I went the following week 
um, that I really realized that I really needed to, um, you know, accept Christ into my life on a personal level, mm-hmm. um, and and really really um, give my heart and soul to Him. Um, and I had come forward at an altar call um, in tears, and um, my life was transformed. Wow. That's all I can say. <laughs> That's really neat. Now, what about the other guys um, that were with you that night? How did things impact them spiritually? Well, um, actually, I think Bruce had already accepted the Lord, okay. and, uh, and, and Rick had. And Gary was at the point where he was, <clears throat> he was going to um, a place in Pomona that was... I believe they were um, like Mormon or Church of Christ of Latter-day Saints. Okay. And and he was taking part in um, a lot of youth activities and a lot of things that were going on there. But at the same time, he really didn't feel like that was um, a, a religious experience or an experience that where he, he was really feeling the work of God in his life. It was more or less kind of just a... Um, um, a social event to him, um, but at the same time he was doing a lot of searching himself. And um, I can't remember if it was the same night I was there, um, or if it was the week after that. But one of the nights he went forward and uh, gave his life to Christ. Okay. Never looked back. Wow. Um, so, you, so you guys talked right away uh, with Chuck Smith about wanting to actually um, to play at the Calvary Chapel concerts? Uh, at, at least about two weeks had passed from the time that we first that I first went there, from the time that we approached Chuck. We were getting together almost every day. Um, Bruce, and, Bruce and was an extremely um, talented songwriter and singer, and Gary was a talented musician um, who had never really done any writing before, but um, all of us were just feeling God's Spirit work in our lives really heavily, um, and God was giving me song after song after song, and it was, um, I'd sit down and write a song with Gary and sit down and write a song with Bruce, and there was a lot of collaboration and a lot of solo writing, and um, we had, gosh, within a couple months, we must have had 30 songs. Wow. Um, uh so it, just, it sounds like, and again, you experience this firsthand. I mean, this is stuff that uh, myself and, of course, um, yeah, a lot of the folks who listen to my station are, are younger. They wouldn't even remember. In fact, some of them were probably born after that time in, you know, yeah. in seventy in the early 70s. But right, yeah. um, there was a real sense that that was just an extra special time in terms of what God was doing um, with the church and then also... Uh, just an extra special anointing on you folks as well. Well, God was was blessing Chuck Smith. Um, Chuck Smith was being faithful to the Word of God. Um, he had another young um, apprentice, so to speak, Lonnie Frisbee. Yeah. And Lonnie was being faithful to the Word of God, and they were just kind of telling it like it was. They were they were explaining the Bible um, and the teachings of Jesus on on a layman's term that wasn't powder coated or flowery it was like this is what this is the way it is this is what happened this is what god expects of you and this is the lesson you learn from these teachings and and it was very powerful 
and the word spread quickly that, you know, hey, there's a church, doesn't matter what you look like, doesn't matter how you dress, people would come in shorts and T-shirts and, and, you know, sandals, Hirachi sandals, other people would have, you know, tie-dye shirts or flowery dresses, it really didn't matter what you looked like um, or, or how you acted, um, they were all encompassing and accepting of anybody that wanted to hear God's word, which was totally different from all the other churches. Yeah. Um, you mentioned Lonnie Frisbee. Um, you had contact with Lonnie when you were there? We did. Um, we became friends with Lonnie and, and played at several of the Bible studies that he had and uh, um, got to know him really well and, um, you know, had communion with him and broke bread and uh, got to know him um, on uh, on a pretty friendly basis. Um, I didn't get to know him real personally. It wasn't like we um, did a lot of, um, you know, a, hanging out together or anything like that we were you know we were in Pomona mm. which was still a long ways away when you don't have a car <laughs> <laughs> you know so we didn't get to go down there as often as we would have liked I know there were people there was something going on there almost every single night of the week mm-hmm. there was Bible studies and teaching and counseling and they would have uh, um, Ken Gullickson and Mike McIntosh and, and all of these people that, that kind of grew up in with that church um, had their own niche and their own specialties and their own way of teaching um, God's Word. And every night you could go there um, and something was going on. Wow. Mike McIntosh, boy, there's a name I haven't heard in a long time. Uh, yeah. But I, but I know who he is. Who he is. Um, so so you guys were basically, you were writing your songs and rehearsing, practicing in Pomona, and going to Costa Mesa on Saturdays only, or? Well, no. Um, we were actually probably going down several times a week. Okay. Um, we were. They had a Monday night Bible study with Lonnie, and then a Wednesday night Bible study with Chuck. And the Wednesday night Bible studies were uh, more convenient for our schedules at that time. Um, and then we would go to the Saturday night concerts. Um, and I believe it was the, the in in about a month. It was either the third week or the fourth week. Um, Chuck Smith allowed us to come up and play our seven songs in front of everybody, um, and it God was blessing us. God was using us. That's all I can say. It was an wow. amazing experience. Um, people were just praising God and getting blessed by our music, and Chuck Smith was grinning ear to ear, and, <laughs> and so were we. Wow. Um, who are some of the artists that you remember um, from those days that you guys uh, played with on stage there? Well, we played with um, uh, a band called the Joy Band. And the Joy Band later kind of became um, a band called Gentle Faith. Okay. And then there was also um, Dave Bergen and Dave Rios. Um also played for a while, Dave and Dave, and uh, Bruce Cotton was in that band, um, and some other people, I can't remember all of them, but um, then there was also um, um, Blessed Hope. Okay. Yeah, Blessed Hope is, is what the um, the Joy Band kind of morphed into. Um, and then um, Eric Nelson was there in the early days. Children of the Day was one of the very, very early bands. All right, yeah. Um, and Mustard Seed Faith was mm. one of the very, very early bands that was there. Um, 
and of course love song oh yeah um love song just always seemed to be the um the inspirational leader of a lot of the music that was going on down there wow everybody really looked up to them and their writing and their talents and um so there was <laughs> there was a lot of music coming oh yeah Boy. well af- after we left was uh um, Daniel Amos and Jerusalem and Bethlehem and um, a lot of other really, really good bands. Musical influences. What were some of the influences for you guys musically? Well, my influences as a guitar player um, were probably pretty typical. Um, I was influ- I started playing guitar in the in the late '60s, um, and I started listening to. You know, Eric Clapton and Jimi Hendrix and, you know, blues guys, Johnny Winter. And um, I was a big fan of the Paul Butterfield Blues Band with Mike Bloomfield. And then um, I also liked Stephen Stills a lot. I liked acoustic music. Um, I was influenced also by Paul Stuckey um, for Peter, Paul, and Mary. I I liked his finger-picking styles. So I I really kind of learned a a wide variety of of styles um, while I was coming along. Okay. Um, it's interesting. The um, Mark Allen Powell, the author of the Encyclopedia of Contemporary Christian Music, his mm-hmm. his passage that he wrote uh, about you guys, the way um, he described your group as a better version of America. Have you heard <laughs> that before? <laughs> well, that's the, that's a compliment. Um, yes, he, actually, he he totally meant it as a compliment. Absolutely, yeah. We were we were big fans of Buffalo Springfield. We were big fans of what came out of Buffalo Springfield, which was um, Poco and Crosby, Sills and Nash and um, Neil Young, and we were inspired by a lot of their sound. Um, and at the same time, America um, was was kind of capturing their own sound that was kind of similar to Crosby, Stills and Nash at that time. So um, we were inspired by a lot of the music from both bands. Um, and, you know, the acoustic guitar and the three-part harmonies were... Um, something that we enjoyed listening to, and we had the capability of creating that three-part harmony. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was not something that we really tried to to do. It was just something that came forward. Okay. It was you know it was just the sum of our talents. The um, and I think Mark Allen Powell again in his article he he um, he, he references this. Your, your music is 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 uh, it's simple, but it's really really good. And the harmony, the vocal harmonies especially, are are just outstanding. So I mean, um, well, God, the, go ahead. Well, the funny thing about Bruce and I going back to seventh grade is I met him in a chorus class in seventh grade, sitting next to me. Yeah. Um, and from that point on, we became choral partners, singing in choir together, and we developed um, our ear for harmonies. And uh, I had a good ear for harmony. I, I graduated from ninth grade with a, um, a music award from the Rotary Club um, as being an outstanding musical prospect. And um, Bruce, when he got to tenth grade and started playing drums, he was in bands that were extremely popular and playing the proms. And so we had we had a lot of development going on in our early years. And my experiences in singing in uh, um, chamber choir singers and madrigal singers and, and you know chorales um, r- had really developed my ear. Um, so by the time the band formed, we were very very aware of um, 
you know what different harmony parts needed to be sung. Mm, all right. So you you guys had had already developed um, uh, the the your vocal stylings and, and for you and Bruce, you know, being, singing together, you'd already had developed that way long way before the way even formed. We we actually did. Um, in fact, when we were going to college together, there was probably a group of people. I mean, we're talking about the hippie years here. Yeah. There was a lot of people that brought their guitars to school and sat around in, in circles, and we would sing song after song after song, and um, you would just listen for a harmony part, and when that part came around, you'd sing it. And it was just something that kind of came natural to us. Um, I don't think that we... Um, you know, put a lot of effort into being able to hear harmonies. It was just something that was kind of, um, you know, part of our musicality. Okay. We could just hear that that stuff. It's still neat how, how God takes a natural gift that he had already given you guys, and then you add the spirit on top of that, and he's just able to do some amazing things <clears throat> with it. Uh, oh, absolutely. I, I totally agree. You know, when we first started out, we, we got booked in a lot of churches. Um, and so the, the music we were playing was really appropriate, and we had you know some kind of powerful driving songs and then some real soft songs with lush harmonies. And then we started getting booked at uh, colleges and high schools and, and prisons and places like that. And we realized that the acoustic guitar stuff we were doing just really wasn't making it. And we kind of made a, a transformation from kind of a folk rock band into a rock band. Um, um, that, that that pretty much was with uh, John uh, Wickham coming on board, I, I, correct? Didn't John make a big difference in that area? Or well, you John, said John, did. John, 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 he did make a difference, okay. John did make a difference. Um, okay. What happened was that John was an, was an excellent musician. He was an excellent guitar player. Um, live, he was just absolutely phenomenal. Um when we realized that the depth of his talents, um, when John and I would, would, would tour together, we'd sit in the back of the van um, and show each other guitar licks, although he was doing the majority of the showing. Um, but we would sit there and, and develop our styles together and, and plan out double lead solos and, and go through song after song after song where we were doing harmony lead guitar parts. Um, and we had, you know, anywhere from a dozen to two dozen songs where we were doing harmony lead guitar solos, mm. um, which was something that was done by not too many bands at that time. I think the Allman Brothers um, were were very famous for doing that type of stuff. And we kind of followed that pattern. We were, we were trying to be a more dynamic, um, more of a, um, more of a, band that was making uh, had a louder voice so to speak you know there's a big difference I, I think i noticed a difference right away from going from your first album to your second one immediately on the first track on the second album a cowboy's dream uh, that just has a totally different feel to it than a lot of the stuff on your first album i mean it, it's a great song i love it and and i love the direction you were headed there that was um bruce always always had a little bit more of a country edge to him than i did i had more of a rock feel uh -huh. He wrote a lot of um, country-style stuff and um, country rock, and that was his song. And we got hooked up with uh, um, a gentleman named Al Perkins mm -hmm. that had uh, um, toured with Steve Stills' Manassas Band, and then he was in the the, the Souther Hillman Furry Band with Richie Furry and Chris Hillman, um, John Souther. 
um, or David Souther. And so he had a lot of um, experience touring and being in the studio, um, and he was a devout Christian. And he, through Maranatha Music um, and our request, became the producer of that album. Mm-hmm. And he's one of the finest pedal steel guitar players in the world, and he also plays lap steel and dobro. Um, you know, he's toured with uh, Amy Lou Harris and just all kinds of extremely famous people. And he had a, um, um, a rock and a country type background. And when he heard Cowboy's Dream, um, he heard like a, a country rock song mm-hmm. that was that had kind of a hit nature to it. And so in his production, he played the the pedal steel part on there. Um, and it was totally different. How long did it take you guys to record that second album, just out of curiosity? Um, I would say that we were probably in there for maybe, I would guess, 15 nights. Wow. That's just, uh, you look at how long some of the bands take to, to do recordings these days. So it was a real tight budget. In fact, mm-hmm. the first the first Way album, um, the one that has the clay statues on it, mm-hmm. um, that that was almost a laughable budget. You you could hardly even hire the limousine for what we did <laughs> that album with. Oh, but hey, but when you guys recorded that first album, you must have been really excited about that. We were, you know, we were we weren't even twenty years old yet. I mean, we were just green, cutting our teeth, and we were we'd have to look at each other. And pinch each other and say, "Is this really happening?" You know, because <laughs> um, it was all just kind of like a dream, um, a dream come true. I should I should speak, but God was blessing us, and and you know the the recess the recording sessions we had, um, we were doing a lot of praying and, and seeking the 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 guidance of the Holy Spirit on our decision making and and trying not to settle for something that was mediocre. Um, if I had it to do all over again, there was there'd probably be some guitar parts that I would change that I cringe when I listen to now. Mm-hmm. But um, over all in all, um, God used that album to bless a lot of people. Oh, absolutely. Whose idea was it for the cover, the clay statues? We were playing at the University of Houston on a tour, and this guy came up to us after we got through doing a concert, um, and he introduced himself, and he said that he was a you know, um, uh, an art major and that uh, he was doing a lot of sculpturing and he wanted us to come over to his house. He had some ideas that he wanted to, you know, um, run across. And so we came over to his house and we saw about maybe 15 to 20 of these scenes where he had sculptured um, like a boy and a dog fishing next to a a stream with trees and rocks and grass, and this was all done out of clay. Hmm. Um, and then he would have another setting where he had an old country house with, with this old guy whittling on the porch, and um, he was just an amazingly talented sculptor. And he said, can I take your guy's picture and try to do some statues of you guys? So um, we, we went out to the street, and he got his camera, and he took pictures of us from several different angles, and then had all of us kind of get in one big, you know, circle together. I was kneeling down, and right as he was taking the picture, this neighborhood dog came up to me and jumped up on my leg and started licking my face. 
Oh, wow. <laughs> when when he did the, the original clay statues, you know, there was this dog that was <laughs> um, part of the, the statues. But he did a statue of each person in the band, or a uh -huh. figurine, whatever you want to call it, um, and mailed them out to us. And when we looked at them, we were just absolutely thrilled. Wow. Um, and when they asked us to do an album, um, Gary Arthur, who was probably the, you would say, the art major in the band, mm -hmm. um, went and talked with some of the people and collaborated with the, the artists at Maranatha Music and came up with the idea of using the clay statues in a setting like that. Okay. Um, so it, ev it evolved out of this, this sculptor out of Houston, Texas. Um, his name was, was Tracy Guthrie. Wow. Well, I just, you know, I would love to see it in, in person um, because the pictures, the picture, I just love the picture with you guys, the, the, uh, the well, clay we did, figurines. Two years ago, we did a, um, a reunion um, concert at Calvary Chapel, um, and we actually brought our statues to the wow. concert. Wow. I, I'm so sorry I missed that. <laughs> now the, well, um, we do have a reunion concert DVD slash CD set out. That's on our website. If you wanted to, I'll have to get that. See the reunion, yeah. I'll definitely have to pick that up. Now, on the the CD that I got, uh, I got from you. On the back, there's a picture of the four 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 of you in a, a field. Um, yeah. Is, is that from the first album, or is that from the second album? <clears throat> that's from the first album. That's okay. actually that was actually taken. Um, the original four members. That was. Um, uh, oh no, that that was. I'm sorry, that was. Bruce, myself, Gary, and John Wickham. Okay. Do you happen to remember where that picture was taken? <clears throat> I do. Um, the picture was taken in Southern California um, at a place called Silverado Canyon. Um, at, right outside of Orange County, there's uh, several areas that lead up um, to Saddleback Mountain. Okay. Um, and that was in a canyon that was filled with mustard. Mm. Very nice. How did... Um the uh, the everlasting Jesus music concert. How did you guys get involved with that? Was it ma mainly because you were just part of the Maranatha family at the time? Well, once once we started playing, uh, once we played that first concert, you know, Chuck Smith, you know, came up to us and said, "When would you boys like to play again?" You know, and you know, would you like to come back in a month? And we said, "Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah." Well, are you kidding? <laughs> You know, and so a month later we we came back and we had seven more new songs and um, you know our repertoire was growing and our our sound was developing and um, I won't say that we were get becoming more talented but we were becoming more used to playing with each other um, and at that time you know they formed the Maranatha Music um, as kind of a label because there was so much music being produced and that's when um, they asked us if we would like to do a song off that first album. Okay. Um, and we were, boy, that was just absolutely an incredible experience. That album's been called the most historically significant album of Christian music ever recorded. Um, that's, wow. Uh, that's really something. <laughs> wow. And you guys were a part of it. and uh, Yeah, there, there was a band called Country Faith mm -hmm. um, that had Tom Stipe and Chuck Butler in it, and Chuck Butler's got his own band now, the Chuck Butler Band, and um, he was also in um, um, another band called Parable that was absolutely excellent. When the way broke up, 
John Wickham and Gary Arthur um, became co-partners in, in Parable in with Parable. Chuck Butler. So that was one of the first bands, Country Faith and uh, um, Children of the Day was on that, and Love Song was on there with Little Country Church. Um, I believe there was a solo artist, uh, Denny Stahl, and then uh, I think Ken Gullickson actually had a song on there also. Okay. Um, but that was very, very unique um, experience. I believe most of that was produced by um, Pete Jacobs of, of Children of the Day. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the funny thing about Pete Jacobs is that growing up in Pomona Valley, Pete Jacobs had a jazz band, and he had a, um, a quartet called the Pete Jacobs Jazz Quartet, and they actually played at the senior prom of the high school I was going to. Oh, wow. <laughs> and, then, and then later on for, for him to become a Christian and then be you know, founder of Children of the Day, um, and then to go on to produce the, those first songs for us um, was was really a, a pleasure and a treat. Oh, really? <laughs> I cool. was re- really respected him as a musician. All right. Um, and he was excellent. Now the band, you guys got started in '71. Although you guys had, had known each other, three of you guys for a long time before that. And uh, when did the band uh, call it quits? And and why did you guys call it quits? Well, we we toured for maybe six years, I don't know, six and a half, um, and had all those albums out. And the touring was tedious and long and hard and fatiguing. Mm, um, I was married with a little child, and, and Bruce was married, and um, um, it was very hard. The wives didn't want to stay home. Um, alone when we were touring so we were touring in a van pulling our equipment behind us in a trailer um, across the country and back constantly we'd be booked in the Seattle region and then we'd be booked in the the Dallas or Houston region or then we'd be booked in Washington DC and the you know that area Um, and so the miles that we put in in hundreds of thousands of miles of travel we went through several vans, um, and it was when you're in a situation like that, it's it's kind of like being married to seven people at the same time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you, you get to know each other almost a little bit too well. Yeah, you know, all of a sudden people get on your nerves, and you know, personality problems, and I I think that that the the constant touring um, became fatiguing after a while. And people had other opportunities, and um, you know, Alex McDougal, which was the drummer in the band, had just an amazing amount of, of um, opportunities ahead of him um, as a drummer and a percussionist. And then joining Daniel Amos after that, right. he was with them. Um, and then Bruce Herring left the band, and that was mostly because of it was kind of the band or his marriage and. You know, he wanted to respect the marriage, and so it was. It was. Um, it was just kind of a natural, you know, um, erosion or fatigue, whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. Um, it was after a while. Um, we just kind of knew that we couldn't do this much longer. Yeah, I totally understand. I think a lot of people have no idea 
what life on the road is like for musicians. And, you know, the, I have a, a little bit of a taste because I have an older son and a younger son who are musicians and they, and they did the touring thing for a couple of years. So yeah. I, I saw a small taste of it just from what they went through and, yeah. and their experiences. And it is, it's, it's brutal. I mean, and, and especially yeah. unless you're a top notch, um, act that's that's you know famous and poor and getting lots of money and even then it i'm, I'm sure it's tough yeah. but you know well uh, we got we did get to the point to where people were flying us they flew us to hawaii to do a, a tour there and you know they flew us to houston and flew us up to minneapolis and there was a lot of flying going on but that was that had to do with uh you know a lot of major events that mm. you know were involved in you know festivals and summer concerts and you know um things that were involved a lot of backing and a lot of money um, but for the most part the tours that we we did do were to the little towns you know the mm-hmm. the podunks and you know um, we were playing um, wherever they wanted us to play oh yeah so um, that that it, you know being in a van all day is kind of like saying to yourself okay see that closet you eight people go sit in that closet together for eight hours. <laughs> and then when you come out of that closet, you all decide on where you want to eat and where you want to sleep. And then let's go play a concert together, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> um, look at looking back on it all, all these years later. Um, do you have mostly fond memories of those days? I, I absolutely do. I, I love all the people in the band. Um, I'm in contact with them still. Um, like I say, we did a total reunion concert a couple of years ago um, at Calvary Chapel, um, and we were really blessed. Uh, I was expecting, um, hopefully, maybe that there would be 300 people that came, and there was more like three to four thousand, and uh, it was it was absolutely amazing. Wow. It was an amazing night, and um, it was incredible blessing. Any any chance you guys would do that again in the future? Uh, I, I'm really. I don't think so. Um, I think what has happened is that, you know, age has kind of caught up with us, and it's very, very hard to hit some of the notes we used to hit. Mm. We had to kind of tune down our guitars, um, uh, you know, a half step just to kind of be able to play the songs we were doing. Yeah. Um, and I just don't think that uh, physically our voices are up to what we used to do anymore. I and the, the, the logistics of it is that, you know, um, one guy lives in Texas, and one guy lives in Henderson, Nevada, and then one guy lives down in Escondido or, or uh, um, Rancho Bernardo, and I live in Tustin, and so we're kind of scattered all over the place. Yeah. And it, it's hard to get everybody together at one place at one time. Makes it really tough. So what are you doing these days, Dana? Well, um, <laughs> I, I have my own website. I don't know if I can plug it Yeah, or not, no, absolutely. But, um, yeah, plug away. It's it's called DanaAngle.com, and I have a, um, a Christian album out called Back to You, um, and I'm working on another Christian album r- right now, um, in, uh, so I'm in the studio doing another album. Um, I was a, a, um, a contractor in California for like 20 years. I, did, um, I have a C7 contractor's license, which I still have, um, and I did... Um, a lot of home theater and surround sound and, and audio-video distribution. Um, and then I went back and, and got some certifications from um, uh, 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 industry. Hmm, I don't know how to explain them. 
it was called ICIA, and it was the International Communications Industry Association. And it was people that were design engineers for um, um, commercial applications. So I actually got into commercial design, um, doing AutoCAD for video teleconferencing rooms and boardrooms in uh, um, um, teaching rooms. Hmm. So I was I was a design engineer for audio video using um, um, a computerized equipment where you would go into a room and, and touch a screen and it would say what would you like to do and you'd have your options of video conferencing or whatever and um, you would press one button and the the lights would dim and the drapes would close and the screen would come down out of the ceiling and a projector would come down or whatever and your your um, computer would be plugged into an interface and so I got into a lot of audio video design um, which I still do to this day okay um, and in the meantime I raised four kids and <laughs> oh that's a big job of course <laughs> Wow um, and, I, and I still do a lot of playing and songwriting I've never stopped writing songs that's that's really neat I'm glad that you're still you know involved musically. Although most people I know that are musicians, it never leaves, it never gets out of your blood. You know, it's always there in no. one form or another. Um, I I think it, it is for me at least. Um, I hardly a day goes by without me picking up my guitar. Ah, uh-huh. that is so cool. And sometimes I'm playing for several hours a day. Mm, that's great. Well, hey, I really appreciate your time. Um, you were part of a, a a special group at a very special time in history. Uh, I think God really was doing some amazing things, and you guys got to experience it and uh, and see Him work through you in some just truly amazing ways back then. And uh, it's not just then, but uh, it sounds like God's been really good to you over the years, and still is, and has and has blessed you in a number of different ways. Well, we were we were extremely fortunate that that God chose us to to do His work. Um, it was just one blessing after another. Um, playing in the band and going places and especially the 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 prisons a lot of the prisons that we ministered at um the the blessings that god bestowed upon us were were absolutely incredible and and i'm not saying that to this day that he still doesn't bless me he does but um those early years to me i I, were just lucky and fortunate that god were was using us um because there was millions of people that he could have chosen instead and it was just by the grace of God that that we were able to um, exist for as long as we did. Amen. Um, and I feel very, very, very fortunate to have been a part of that time period. And to this day, I mean, we still have a website, um, thewaymusic.com, um, and we offer our, our albums and CDs, and you can read the history of the band and see some of their pictures, and um, it's it's still there. All right. Very nice. That sounds great. I really appreciate the opportunity, and um, it's a real blessing and a privilege. Uh, it, it's been fantastic talking with you, Dana. Thanks for spending so much time with me. I, I really appreciate it.